Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. I'm excited to bring you this episode because it's with a very special guest. I'd like to introduce you to Lara Nersessian. Lara is the host of the powerful podcast, The Boss in Heels, and a performance coach. With a career in human resources, her impressive track record in performance and change management highlights her deep understanding of human behavior and leadership. Lara holds a postgraduate diploma in psychology, combined with a Bachelor of Arts in psychology, and through her podcast platform, she is paving the way as a trusted thought leader, empowering individuals to take their lives to the next level with insight on business, personal development, and emotional intelligence through her weekly guest interviews combined with some amazing solo episodes. I first met Lara in a mentorship breakfast where she was the guest speaker and was immediately blown away by her energy, articulate expression of her values, and of course, her immaculate personal presentation. She is as radiant as she is intelligent. Her personal brand is one of warmth, passion, and purpose. In this episode, I asked Lara to share her insight on the secret source to an ageless career and her advice on reinventing, reimagining, and re-energizing our careers and our life path to trajectory. She shares her rituals, inspiration, and tips to live your best life and express your true essence. Beyond the great resignation and in a post-pandemic world, Lara has brilliant insight into the eternal questions around work-life balance, finding purpose, and harnessing your personal brand. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to uh, bring you this episode with my friend, Lara Nersessian, who I met at a networking event, um, I think just over a year and a half ago before the world went into hard lockdown. Um, Lara is an inspirational uh, woman on so many levels. She has an incredible podcast called Boston Heels, which I will um, add all the links to, which I've appeared on before. Lara, I wanted to have you on uh, the Ageless by Rescue podcast in light of the seismic shifts in how we view our career. You know, we've we've just gone through the great resignation, which I think goes hand in hand with the great divorce. And it's people have have just stopped and paused and gone, okay, what do I want? Who am I? What is my personal brand? And I wanted to have a conversation with you and get your expert advice for our listeners on what the opportunity is and and how we can take advantage of this moment in history to reinvent, dare I say it, pivot, or re-enter a, a meaningful career experience? Yeah, it's such a great opportunity and time in history to really do that because I think one really positive thing that came out of COVID for a lot of us was the opportunity to really slow down, the opportunity to really think about what it is that we truly want. What are the things that light us up? What are the things that energize us? What are the things that we enjoy? And so as the world started to open up, we've had this really rare opportunity to really carefully consider 
what do I want to bring back onto my plate? What are the things that really, you know, bring me that sense of joy or the things that I really just don't enjoy doing anymore? And so when it comes to things like career, I've seen such a huge shift in so many people across so many different industries whereby people have really reevaluated whether their career was working for them, whether they still want to do the things that they used to do. We've really changed as society as a whole. And we're seeing this emergence of resignations, people wanting to reinvent themselves, people wanting to explore new career paths, new opportunities. And the probably the biggest shift that I've seen as well is that we're multifaceted beings. And so this idea and this notion of doing one thing and one thing only is so redundant. I think that that's a concept that used to serve society well, used to serve individuals well in that they were looking for that stability, they were looking for that longevity in their careers. But as um, Naval Ramakant, I believe his name is, he's an, an angel investor, and he says, you know, when we're not we're not insects, when we're human beings and we're multifaceted creatures and we weren't ever designed to just do one thing and one thing only. So there's this real surge and emergence of people wanting to dabble in lots of different things. And I think it's really great that with the rise of technology and the digital age that people have the choice and the opportunity to really be able to do that. I think one of the things that um, I get asked a lot is I'm 48 and, you know, I've had many iterations of my career. If you looked at my LinkedIn, um, you know, I left university. I graduated with my master's when I was 21. I've worked in the cosmetic industry. I've worked in the luxury industry. Uh, I've had my own business since I was 28. I started off in an importation business and now I have a digital media business I have an education business. And I, when I look back on my kind of career trajectory, there's always been a cycle of about three years. And um, and that's where I, either I'm forced to because of market changes or, um, you know, society is moving in a different direction or there's a, a burning desire in me to to change and to reinvent and to explore new things. And one of the things I've been really hungry for all of my life is education. When I was in high school, uh, I studied uh, via correspondence. It was back then used to write away. Uh, I did a journalism uh, certificate via correspondence. I think I was about 14. When I was 15, I signed up for a uh, present media presentation course. I did. I went to TAFE in year nine after school on a bus to learn how to type. So all of my life, I've done hardcore education, but I've also done self education, and it led me to launch a online digital learning platform as well. But the thing that I really had to learn fast, and I guess this is the subject I'd love you to shed some enlightenment on, is when I left university, I think there was no, no one was using the internet and there was certainly no email. And now I find myself, you know, 30 years later, um, 
at the helm of a digital publishing business. So nothing that I learned in my formal education really is a core skill of what I do now to make a living, to send my daughter to school, to pay my mortgage, to have a lifestyle. And and so it's it's a good thing because I always say to men and women who say, you know, I want to do something different. It's like, well, it's never too late. And the it's a bad thing because, you know, it means that you, you can become redundant. What in your position, you know, you've sat as the head of HR uh, for some incredible brands, um, w- how do people reinvent themselves in the second phase of their careers? Yeah, I think it's what you said. It's actually seeking out new ways to educate yourself and to self-educate yourself because to your point, I think that university degrees play a role, formal education plays a role. I'm certainly not adverse to any of those things and I have two degrees in psychology and I've done a lot of formal education in my time like you have. So I believe that 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 plays a certain role. But to your point, because of the, the rapid rate of technology, the emergence of personal brand, our skills are constantly adapting and emerging with time. And what I've really seen is that those individuals who haven't really invested in their personal or professional development are often the ones that get left behind because companies are often looking for that freshness. They're looking for people that are going to come to the table with innovative ideas. They're looking for that creativity, that out-of-the-box thinking. Um, They're looking to have industries or, or people that are able to really disrupt an industry and the traditional way that things have been done. And I believe from my experience that those individuals that haven't really invested in that self-development, in that self-education, had that natural curiosity to want to grow as a human being, are the ones that stay stuck. And as humans, we fall into one of two buckets. We either have a growth mindset whereby we believe that our brains are malleable and adaptable and we can change and we can grow and we can learn and we can do things in a different way. Or we have a fixed mindset whereby we become very fixated in our way of thinking, in our way of doing. And those people that tend to have a fixed mindset are often the ones that stay stuck and aren't able to really adapt and evolve as as the times change. Um, So my advice to people or to anyone that's in that situation is really look at what are the things that energise you? What are the things that interest you? And what is, you know, one or two things that you could do to elevate or enhance yourself? What's something that you can either talk to your employer about or that you can go and seek out for yourself? I mean, like you, Baha, like I have not shied away from investing in myself. It's the thing that I believe pays the biggest reward. It keeps giving us, you know, these dividends and it's really the best investment that we can ever make is the investment that we put into ourselves. So whether it's, I know you talk a lot about wellness and beauty, I I believe that there's a place that we can invest in 
in that. I, I believe that there's a way that we can invest in our health. And similarly, I believe there's a way that we can invest in our careers and our mindset and our education that can really help set us apart and can really help elevate us above what the majority of people are doing. And I'm a really big believer that if you want to be better than the average person, if you want to have more than the average career, you have to do start being willing to do things that are above average. So even if you ask yourself the question, what can I do that's 10% more than what my other colleagues are doing? What's a course that I can put myself through? What's a skill set that I want to learn? And I think in the past, you know, everything was really tied into this notion of formal education and you needed to have a lot of money now like with this you know digital age we've never had a time in history where we have more access to information knowledge courses I mean you can go onto YouTube and you can learn so much about any particular topic Exactly. And so many of the great universities and and educational institutions uh, during the pandemic, they released free courses. You can do, you know, advanced digital marketing at Harvard for free. Um, You can sign up to all sorts of vocational short courses that can give you a deep immersion into one subject. And, uh, you know, what, what is the thing? You have to do 10,000 hours of something to become a master at it. Is that correct? Yes, that's what they say, 10,000 hours. So, you know, you can learn it for free, potentially, or a very low barrier to entry. You can learn it from home. You can put it into practice and then you can make money from it. And you, you've completely reinvented your skill set. Exactly right. And I think that these excuses of I don't have money, I don't have time, I really believe that the the money excuse no longer really holds any water for the reasons that we've just spoken about. I think that there's so many ways you can be resourceful and look for free ways to, to educate and elevate yourself. And I think when it comes to time, I understand that everyone's got different priorities, but at the same time, we prioritize what's important to us. So if something's really important to you, you will find a way to make it work for you. And I really believe if you look at, you know, even if you conduct a self-audit of how many hours are you sitting scrolling on social media, watching Netflix shows, if you looked at that amount of screen time that you're investing into those types of things, most people would probably be astounded at the amount of hours that they're spending on those various platforms. So my argument is if you have an hour to scroll through social media, you have an hour to invest in something that's going to really benefit yourself in your career. One of the best stories I have about this, which, you know, I'm so proud of, and I I do believe in genetic coding. So uh, my grandmother, uh, in her 20s, was widowed with five children. And um, one of the things that she was really passionate about was reading, but she hadn't matriculated. She'd um, been married off at 15 and, you know, in her 20s found herself widowed. So she used to go on a bus two hours away um, to school after she was widowed because she wanted to matriculate. And so she went to school and finished high school off her own steam for no other reason than she wanted to be an educated woman. And it was actually on this bus 
that she met her next husband because he'd seen her getting on and off the bus. She was really beautiful. And one day he stopped her and he said, you know, can I come on this bus trip with you? And she met her next husband, who's my step-grandfather, and um, had another two children, but she did matriculate. And of her seven children, uh, all of the children have master's degrees. Um, Two of the uh, women have uh, PhD and post-PhD education. And so that culture of self-improvement at whatever level inspires you is really something that, you know, is in the DNA of, of my uh, matriarchal line. And I, I, I really am so proud and so grateful for that. I want to talk, circle back to something that you said, and, and this is something that comes up in my conversations with people. The ageless attitude and um, brand that you can bring into the workforce. So I always think that, you know, ageless is uh, the company that you keep, the language that you use, the books that you read, the information that you ingest, the way you present yourself. What are some of the visual cues and the personal branding elements that you would recommend are worthwhile investing in? Because I know there was a, there's been a lot of information around cosmetic surgery, um, aesthetic enhancement, people going to personal stylists to completely revamp their presentation. Do you think that there's a value in that? And where do you think our time and money is best spent? I definitely think that there's value in investing, again, in yourself. I feel like whatever that looks like for you, wherever you feel like you're going to value, I, I feel like it's it's money well, well spent. And for me, coming from the background that I do and in the experiences that I have, I really believe that any work that we do really needs to start from within, as cheesy as it may sound. But I really believe that our external world is often a reflection of our inner world. So you can go and you can spend so much money on cosmetic procedures and getting the whole works done. But if you haven't done the inner work, I don't believe that that necessarily translates. And so I really advocate women in particular, but men as well, to start with the inner work first. So what are some of the things that you can do to really work on your mindset, work on having a growth mindset? And I really believe that that's always the best investment that you can make. But then, of course, there's tactical and tangible things that all of us can do. And so whether it is, you know, investing in working out or having a personal trainer, you know, work, working on your fitness, because I believe there's such a strong correlation between our bodies and our movement and how we feel. Um, through to investing in, you know, a good corporate wardrobe. And you don't have to necessarily spend loads and loads of money, but actually just looking polished and presentable and professional goes a really long way because whether we like it or not, we are judged on our first impressions. You know, people really do make snap judgments about us within the first 30 seconds of them meeting us. And so how do you actually want to project yourself to the world? You know, and I believe that dressing is a form of art and it's an extension of our personality and, and who we are and how we want to show up in the world. Um, if you're re-entering the workforce, for example, after some time out, whether it's been the pandemic or you've had children or you're moving back from overseas, 
you know, the, the work where culture has definitely shifted and it sends such a lot of visual cues to, you know, uh, your, it, it, it can carbon date you for lack of a better word. And I think that, you know, the question I get asked all the time is, you know, I'm going back into the workforce. I've, you know, raised my children or they're at school now. And I, I don't know what to wear. I don't know I don't know how to dress. You know, I'm going into an office with millennials and Gen Zs and they dress differently. They present differently. And I don't want to look like their mum. <laughs> I think it's something that really does come up a lot. And I think that COVID in particular really shifted the way that people dress and the way that people show up for work. But I might be a little bit old school in my thinking here, but I feel like one thing that COVID did was it made people really lazy and really complacent in the way that they dress. And I think unless you're someone like a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk, who's just like brilliant and, you know, the work speaks for itself, I do believe that the way you dress plays a role in how you're perceived in the workplace. And I, I don't think that this corporate boring, I don't think corporate needs to be boring. I think that you can wear a blazer but make it your own and really inject your own personal style into the way that you show up at work. And I think that I'm really seeing an emergence of people bringing their individuality to work, people bringing their full selves to work and the way that they dress is often an extension of that so I would say if anyone's not sure of what to wear you can't go wrong with dressing classic and conservative but looking for ways that you can inject your own personality and your own personal style whether it's you know putting on a fabulous pair of shoes or you know wearing a, a pair of pants that's a little bit more out there I think that we're seeing a tendency to sort of stretch those fashion boundaries a little bit more in the workplace but I would always say when you're not sure always come back to classic and conservative because it, it will never serve you wrong. And in terms of you know the um, I guess the modernization and in injecting vitality and relevance into as you were saying you know the inner work that you do that then reflects in your outer projection what are some quick wins that send the right visual cues that send the right energetic cues if you are re-entering or or changing careers do you do you have some advice on some things that always land well I think that your energy and the way that you show up energetically will always serve you well and so that is something that comes from an inner workplace and it's not necessarily a quick win but it's something that if you actually work and chip away at your energy and the way that you show up and your vitality I really believe that that then has the ability to shift the energy of the room shift the energy of the people around you and that's what really draws likeness that's what really draws that that attraction or um that element of people really wanting to hear what you have to say because they get drawn to your energy. And so from an energetic perspective, there's lots of different ways that you can work on this. So whether it's, you know, working on your, your mindset, you know, doing breath work, meditation, 
working out, um, you know, listening to something really upbeat and motivating to kind of get your head into the game first thing in the morning. There's so many things that you can do to really elevate your energy and the way that you show up. And even just being mindful of that is a really great place to start. So, for example, you know, do you want to be that person that's like rolling around to the office on Monday morning, yawning and complaining that it's Monday? Or do you want to be that person that actually gets in there and energizes and shifts the energy of everyone around them? And these are things that I think about all the time as an executive for a billion dollar retail industry. If I'm not showing up to work energized, I can't expect my team to show up energized either. So I think that energy is a really big one and and probably one of the most important. Um, I think that there's other things that you can do in terms of, again, the way that you dress, the way that you present yourself, um, putting effort into the way that you present yourself goes a really long way. Again, do you want to look like that person that just roll out of bed and doesn't really care? Or do you want to look like that person that actually cares, that actually put in a little bit of effort into their personal presentation? And um, I, I think that we can't really underestimate the gravity and the weight that that has in terms of your day-to-day interactions with people. So from a physical sense, I think that there are a couple of things that people can really start to think about and be mindful of as, as they sort of working in those types of environments. You and I have both worked with coaches and, you know, we've uh, mentored and coached other people ourselves. Um, And one of the things that I am always inspired by on your social media and in talking to you is that you seem to be quite specific around ritualization of your day and, um, and having a very, very clear sense of purpose. Um, Can we talk about some of the, um, you know, rituals of vitality that, you know, in your 20s uh, you may have done because, you know, there are a lot of our listeners who are also at the beginning of their careers and then how that's evolved and how it's served you and um, that idea of uh, having some structure to your morning ritual, to your, uh, you know, uh, end of day ritual that sets you up for success and just um, some practical tools that you've applied. I'm such a big believer in rituals and setting the tone for the day. And uh, I really evolved and it's been a constant work in progress for me. So it really started by me just not feeling good because if I kind of reflect back to how I was in my early 20s at the start of my career, I used to wake up at the the last possible minute. I would snooze my alarm 10 times and then I would be rushing to get ready for work and I wouldn't be able to put the amount of effort that I wanted to in my personal presentation because I'd be like, oh, I snoozed for 20 minutes, there goes my hair. And I would just be cutting the corners. And it was such a reactive start to the day And it was a very anxiety-inducing start to the day as well because before I'd even gotten to the office, I was feeling stressed, I was 
running on high anxiety. I was feeling overwhelmed. And I just really recognized that feeling in myself. And I, I knew that I no longer wanted to operate in that way. At the same time. And that's quite an old fashioned way of working, isn't it? And I guess, you know, going back to what we were saying about the great resignation, people have just decided that they don't want that level of anxiety. They don't want that level of stress. It was a pleasure not having to set the alarm and get in a car and get dressed. So some of those things really made us aware of the enormous amount of cortisol that we're, you know, flooding our systems with from the second we open our eyes. And if that's not aging, I don't know what is. Every single um, study in the world says that cortisol and stress is the most aging and debilitating and it you know affects your memory it affects your mood it affects your um, vitality your beauty so talk to me I mean I'm totally interested in your morning ritual yeah so it really has evolved over years to be honest it's not that I woke up one morning and all of a sudden I had this amazing routine it's it's been in the works for for many years and it really started by listening to and studying and researching the habits of world-class performance. You know, what are some of the commonalities? What are some of the common traits or rituals that these world-class performers do? And one of the things that constantly kept coming up for me was rising early and so many studies around these high achievers, world-class performers that get up before the crack of dawn and have this competitive edge against everyone else who's snoozing and sleeping in. And so I really started from there and not being a morning person, I had to train myself to become one. And I did it gradually by just waking up, you know, 10 minutes earlier every day and eventually got to a point that I could wake up at 5am. So my day now starts at 5 and I am very structured and regimented in, in the way that my mornings work. And so it really starts with 10 minutes of breath work. I do Wim Hof breathing, um, which I find is really invigorating and really energizes me. I, then had, do- I mean, there's so many scientific studies around breath work, you know, enlivening every cell in the body, um, boosting your cognitive uh, performance, you know, all these biohacking things that we talk about on Ageless, it's not just to live longer or to look prettier. It actually improves. These are most biohacking um, studies and uh, experiences are from performance um, uh, world, you know, from sporting or recovery or medical uh, recovery. So you're absolutely right. Starting with breath work, starting with, you know, calming down the nervous system, firing up your cognitive ability, re-entering your body. That's a pretty nice place to start. It's an amazing place to start. And the difference between doing it and not doing it is night and day for me. Like I I never miss a day because I just love the feeling of it, the vitality, the energy. Um, It just wakes me up. It's like a natural like source of coffee. Um, It really does go a long way. So I do that. It's a 10 minute exercise and I just jump onto YouTube and and I do the exercise from there. Um, I then do 10 minutes of meditation and I don't do anything overly complicated. I either use the Headspace app or I do like a Dr. Dre Dispenser 
meditation, just whatever I'm in the mood for um, on the day. I then read for 20 minutes because I really believe in investing time into reading and, again, it goes back to that self-education piece. And I find that if I don't read in the morning, it may or may not happen because come the end of the day, sometimes I'm really tired and I just want to go to sleep and I wasn't getting that consistency. So by building it into the morning, it meant that it was a non-negotiable thing that I would do every day. Um, I'm a really big advocate of gratitude as well and the role that gratitude has played in my life, in my world. And ever since I've started this gratitude practice, which is so simple, I've noticed the amount of goodness that's come into my life has just exponentially increased in every aspect, whether it's finances, health, vitality, love, relationships, career, everything. And just taking five minutes, not even sometimes, it could be like three minutes of writing down all of the things that I feel grateful for in my life in that moment. It could be a really pleasant interaction that I had with someone at the coffee shop. Like it could just be the most simplest, smallest details that I write down. And I feel like there's a real power to that. And the other sort of non-negotiable for me in the morning is movement. So once I've sort of done all of those um, breathing, mindfulness, reading type exercises, I always do some kind of movement. So whether it is a workout, um, I'm into Barry's, which I know you are. I know, it changed my life. And it was a nice thing to discover, you know, in my mid-40s that I could do it. It was such a great mental stretch for me and it it had a halo effect into other things that I tried that I had never previously attempted yeah and there's something to be said about doing something hard first thing in the morning like it just really sets the tone it encourages me to sort of tackle on other tasks that are going to be really difficult and challenging in my day so I'll either do like a 50 minute workout at Barry's or I do boxing once a week or I'll go for a long coastal walk or something like that outside in nature Um, so movement is a non-negotiable for me every day and then when I come home it's sort of when I then have a shower and get ready and Going back to sort of the breath work, Wim Hof has actually been quite a a pivotal person in in terms of some of these morning rituals and practices for me. And one of the things that I really learned from him was cold water therapy and the benefit of having even just a cold shower. I mean, I think it's, it's great to sort of go and do cryotherapy or do an ocean swim or those kinds of things. But practically from a day to day perspective, even if I just turn the shower all the way cold um, at the end for three minutes. Um, Again, it's doing something really hard in the morning, but the amount of energy and vitality that I feel from doing that is is enormous. So they're sort of, it's quite regimented and structured, but that's how I set my day up. So everything that you've touched on is is all set in cellular rejuvenation and an ageless ritual to set up your day. You know, uh, you've attended to your mind, you've attended to your cellular wellness, you've attended to collagen production, you've attended to energy, um, you've reduced inflammation with the breathing and the cryotherapy with the cold shower, which I also do, the meditation. So all of those things are not only going to make you feel better, perform better, but 
that's a different human being that goes into the office. That person is very Mm -hmm. different to the person who slammed down two coffees, had some road rage, and then brought their very worst (laughs) self to the office. (laughs) I could not agree with you more. And I feel like in order to be good to others, you have to be good to yourself first. And people often say, how do you fit this in? How do you do it? And again, it goes back to your priorities. I I know that the difference between me doing my morning routine and not is night and day. And everyone, including myself, will benefit from me having done my morning routine. So it's a non-negotiable for me. So Lara, can I ask you, um, do you do this with your husband? Do you wake is this ritual something that's just for you, or it's something that you guys do in the household together? Yeah, so it's something that I do for me and the way that I like to operate is I don't like to rely on anyone else because then if that other person isn't up for doing it, then it means I'm going to become really complacent myself. So he goes through his phases and he'll either get up really early or he will, you know, sleep in a little bit later and then get his workout in later in the day. So depending on where we're at and depending on what phase he's in, sometimes we combine these, um, you know, morning workouts and rituals and things like that. And other times they're quite separate. But for the most part, I really just kind of get up um, and do my thing and I really do it for me. And then he gets to benefit from the more pleasant version of me too. So, (laughs) Yeah, I think that that knock-on effect of, you know, having a good energy and taking that with you is is so underrated. And it is, you know, when we talk about um, rising through your career ranks, it's, it's very seldom that a crusty, cranky, aggravated person um, rises in their, you know, career if it's a traditional corporate environment. And even in business, you know, if I don't bring my best self to an event, to a meeting, to a pitch, to a presentation nine times out of 10, you don't get that piece of business. I, I always make time to arrive mindful, to arrive early, to be landed in my body, to have researched and prepared, you know, for the person and to match, you know, the energy and, and to be appropriately present for, you know, the audience whether it's a, a speech that I'm doing or a pitch that I'm doing or an event that I'm attending, I actually have learned over the years that there is a certain amount of mental and physical preparation that can mean that it's the 80-20 difference. You know, it, it can absolutely uh, get you to the finish line, which brings me to another thing I want to talk to you about in when we talk about careers and certainly, you know, when... Uh, we talk about other things in the ageless space, this comes up a lot, and that is imposter syndrome. So a lot of people will say that, you know, do you have to fake it till you make it? I don't feel like I'm good enough, pretty enough, smart enough. And there seems to be, you know, a lot of studies that say that men are quite comfortable with uh, diving in where they don't have necessarily the qualifications, the experience, um, the, you know, uh, track record. And that women in particular suffer from the debilitating, you know, curse of imposter syndrome, which makes them sit out certain opportunities or uh, expansion of, you know, who they are and how they turn up. Do you see that as, you know, uh, an executive in HR? 
I see it a lot. I see it through so many conversations, through so many interactions, um, even it's something that comes up a lot on my podcast. My podcast is very centered around career and business. And it's astounding that sometimes the most successful women, some of these CEOs of large corporations and people that are running these enormous empires still suffer from imposter syndrome. And it's something that I don't think necessarily goes away, but it's certainly something that can be managed. And I believe that if you do a few things such as really invest in, in your mind and really understand whether it's you know through a coach or through a course or something else, what are those limiting beliefs that you have about yourself and really trace those beliefs back to you know, a time in your childhood where you were made to feel that way. Um, it's often a really old, outdated narrative that we're still holding on to and it's transpiring through our careers, our adulthood, our relationships, um, and it really can affect us in many different ways. So whether it's the belief of not being good enough, not being smart enough, not being pretty enough, not coming from a rich enough family, you know, there's all these beliefs that people hold on to that really then can often weigh them down. And that can be the very thing that hold someone back from really being able to realize their full potential. So I think just actually being mindful and identifying that you have these thoughts and they may not be an updated narrative of who you actually are um, is a really great place to start. Um, investing in your mind, investing in your self-belief, um, whether that's through that personal development work or a coach or someone who sees something in you. Um, even just the people that you surround yourself with, I feel like have an enormous impact in terms of the level of success, um, the, the amount that you're able to realise your full potential. And um, as Jim Rohn so famously said, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And Absolutely. You, I believe that. Yeah. And I've tested this principle over and over again. It's and so true. It's so, so true. And I think if you're feeling like you're being ridden with a lot of self-doubt, have a look at the, the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Are they people that are empowering you? Are they cheering you on? Do they believe in you? Or are they the kinds of people that are sort of pulling you down and, and, and keeping you small? And I think that this is a really big part of anyone's sort of success is, is who they are surrounding themselves with. So there's so many different things that you can do, but ultimately, again, it goes back to, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. And if you do the inner work, if you work on real confidence, which comes from doing the things that you say you're going to do, becoming a person who keeps their word and honors their word, someone that constantly invests in themselves, invests in their vitality, their, their mindfulness, their, their energy, uh, because you start to believe that you're someone who's worthy of those types of things, you start to see the outer world responding to how you feel. And I've been in many different situations where I felt completely, you know, out of place. I felt like I haven't had a seat at the table. You know, even to this day, I'm surrounded by people that are much older than me, people that 
you know, have many more years of experience than me. And I just always go back to, you know, I've earned my stripes and I have, you know, as much of a seat on the table and I'm as deserving of being here as anybody else is. And it's really interesting to know through these different conversations that everybody goes through these feelings of self-doubt and often what feels most personal is most universal. So the things that that's you feel, a really good, yeah, that's a yeah, great thing to point out. The things that you feel are so unique to you, the things that you feel the most insecure about, chances are everyone else in the room is feeling some other level or degree of what what it is that you're feeling and experiencing. And keeping that in mind really does um, help kind of get through those those tougher periods when you you feel like you're a little bit insecure or unsure or lacking in a little bit of confidence. One of the best experiences of my life was working for John McGrath, who is, you know, very successful uh, real estate expert. And he uh, was one of the, he was the first expert that started writing for Rescue My Website. Um, He's been a mentor to me. He's been someone that I Uh, really look up to and he's written a great book called You Inc but my own personal experience with John that really transformed my career was I was working with him in a marketing capacity and um, we wanted to put on the first um, Australasian real estate conference and we went together to the US and we went and uh, attended the big US real estate conference and um was in, were inspired by that and wanted to recreate it in Australia. And it's actually now the biggest conference, sales conference in the Southern Hemisphere. But when we came back, I, I did a road trip around Australia to, uh, I ca- came up with the concept, branded it, um, and I was doing a road trip around Australia to sell tickets and to get sponsors. And, you know, I would have a few wobbly moments. I was in my early 20s and John kept on taking me to all of these incredible meetings, you know, with unbelievably powerful people. And uh, I would sit in on all these meetings. And then at the end of the meeting, he would always say, and what do you think, Baha? And he would introduce me as, you know, uh, a member of his team who had an MBA, who was smart, who was global. And then at the end of it, I, I used to say to him, well, you know, it's, it's amazing that you always let me have a seat at the table and you... Uh, you're always so welcoming and um, present me in such a good light. And he said something to me that has always stuck with me. And he said, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And going back to the idea of, you know, the sum um, total of the people that you surround yourself with, what I remembered is that my career was very high powered, very young. So I worked for John in my very early 20s, had an incredible time at that company I was headhunted to Gucci timepieces where I was general manager for Gucci timepieces and the watch industry is extremely male dominated I had absolutely no background no understanding about the industry I had to learn fast and on my first day of work my then CEO took me to Hong Kong and um we met with Domenico De Sole who is the then group CEO of Gucci and um, he sat me next to him and he said, you're good enough. Just enjoy the dinner, hold your own. You're going to be just fine. And, you know, I was, I think I was 24 at the time. 
I had 11 people on my staff and all of them were older than me. So I was really swimming in this very triggering imposter syndrome phase. And I remembered, you know, went back to basics. I'm educated, I'm energetic, I'm curious, I can learn and I'm supported. But as I went on in my career, one of the things I make sure that I do is in my circle, I always have young people because there's so much to learn from, from people of generations outside of yourself. And they, especially now, I think, you know, there's never been a time for more capable young people in the world. So I always, always have people who are mentoring me up who are younger than me. And of course, I have mentors, both paid and unofficial, uh, that are older than me. And in fact, my life and business coach, Dr. Fred Gross, is in his 80s. He's a, he's a rabbi, he's a psychiatrist, he's a psychologist, he's a coach. You know, he's in his 80s. I have people in their 20s that support and mentor me. And I try to look at the full circle because I, you know, just as I was an, impress, an impressive, energetic, intelligent young woman that brought a lot to the table, I know that, you know, there are older people and younger people that can bring a lot to the table. And it's kept me fresh. I completely agree. And I'm so similar to you in this sense, Baha, because in my circle and whether it's friends or mentors or otherwise, I've got friends in their 20s and I've got friends, you know, in their 60s and even their 70s. And I really believe that there's something to be learned from all of these different people. And I don't think that we should just, you know, pin ourselves down to just hanging out with the same few people all of the time or the same types of people because you don't learn and you don't grow and you don't get challenged. And what I find by having this diversity of friendships and uh, mentoring or coaches or other types of relationships in my circle is that I'm constantly getting challenged. I'm constantly thinking of other people's viewpoints and getting out of my own head that it's not just about the way that I see the world, but it, there's such perspective and perception is such a big part of the human experience and really inviting those differences of opinions and experiences can be one of the most enriching things that we can open up for ourselves in our careers and our lives. And the other thing, and, and I think we've talked about it, you know, we've been part of mentoring groups and formal, um, you know, groups like that. But one of the things that I've uh, always known deep in my heart and I've followed is, you know, I want to learn from men and women. I want to learn from the young and the old. I want to learn from people whose opinions I don't necessarily agree with. And so, one of the things that I always give advice to, and if I'm consulting to a business, is I always make sure that the executive team is really a great diverse, not just for the sake of diversity, but because you can't understand your market. You can't understand life without having, you know, a, a broad perspective. You know, sometimes I watch news channels that I want to throw things at the television. But if I don't know what Fox News is talking about, if I don't know what, you know, the ultra hard right conservatives think, how can I have an opinion of where I sit? So I always push myself to at least have some friends that I can spar with on the things 
that I don't agree with, that like I innately don't agree with, but it is important for my personal development and my vitality and my ageless view of the world to, to see a, a, you know, a broad um, view of the world, as you were saying. So so I don't want to be just in a woman's group. I don't, you know, I think men and women are feminists. I think, um, you know, mentors should come in all shapes, sizes, backgrounds. And, um, and, you know, just as, you know, we have ageless rituals for our health and vitality, you don't just go on a diet. You don't just go on an exercise binge. If you're developing your mind and your um, career, you need that buffet of um, v- variety. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's what's that saying? It's like variety is the spice of, of life. And I think if anything, it keeps things interesting. It, it keeps you open. It keeps you awake. It, it keeps you mindful. Um, and you don't have to agree with everyone. And that's the point. And I think that a society perhaps have lost the art of being able to to debate in a healthy way I think that in in the rise of cancel culture it's like if we don't agree with someone's viewpoint you know that person's out and I think it's such a shame because I think what I get really interested and intrigued by is what is it about that person's experience that makes them see the world in that way what were the the series of things that they did or the people that they were around or what was their childhood experience like that's made them think the way that they, that they think and I think when you approach things from that perspective to your point it can be so much more enriching so much more interesting um, and then helps you determine where do you want to sit you know where do you kind of form your own personal view around that particular issue and I think that we've we've become a society where there's almost like this mono dialogue of if you don't sort of agree with the majority then you're, you're on the outs of society and I think that that difference of opinion is what keeps things really interesting. And to wrap it up I'm going to ask you are there people or um, uh, Yes, let's start with people, some people who who you really admire for their ageless spirit, uh, whether it be in work, in culture, in um, art. Yeah, there's a couple of people that come to mind for different reasons. I think that one person who I've really admired in terms of their career and their agelessness is Oprah. I think that, you know, at her age, she's just still, she's out there. She's so vital. Um, She has such incredible energy and it really stems from having this unbelievable and undeniable purpose in her life where she's really bringing such a light into people's worlds and I really admire that quality in her. The other person that really comes to mind for me is actually my grandmother because in her 90s she is one of the most vital people I know and she is so energized and she is you know up you know wearing her high heels and you know still performing and doing all of these incredible things and you know sometimes I feel like she's got a better social life than I do and I really admire that youthfulness and that young energy and she really has this mindset of it doesn't matter what your age is, that shouldn't stop you from doing the things that you want to do. And even at her age, she's talking about 
moving countries and, you know, just experiencing this a different chapter in her life. And I really admire that quality in her because I think that so often we hear people say things along the lines of, you know, I'm too old for that or I missed the boat for that. I tell and my, I tell everyone off. If anyone says that stuff around me, I go, stop, your body is listening and I don't want to hear it. Exactly. And I really, really admire that quality in her. So there's a couple of people that I really look up to in that regard. And you are a, a, a amazingly voracious reader. And I have, on the back of your recommendations of books, read books before. Is there a book that you think has really transformed the way you show up in the world? There's a few books that have really left quite a lasting impression of me. And if we're talking about being completely fearless and being completely authentic like you, one book that really stood out for me was Untamed by Glennon oh, Doyle. what a book. It is so brilliant. And I just I like the like second half of the book better. I think towards the end, I was like fist pumping and like going, <laughs> oh, my God, yes, yes. Yeah, just just how much she's evolved into living her authentic truth and then really inspiring others to do the same. That That is a book that really left a lasting impression on me. I mean, there's so many. There's, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, was a really pivotal book for me as well because it really taught me to get out of my head and to realise some of those patterns that were keeping me stuck in certain ways and how do you actually navigate and, and bring yourself out the other side of that to be able to achieve the type of success that you want. So, gosh, there's so many books, like I can keep going, but there are two that sort of stand out for now. Well, I love it. I could speak to you all day. And in fact, I probably will um, have you back on the show because I think we've just scratched the surface. But I want to thank you so much. And I'll have all the links to the Boston Heels podcast, which is extraordinary, uplifting, uh, inspirational in so many ways, but also deeply, deeply practical. And if you're looking for a reset or um, some inspirational people to listen to because I always think you know we learn so much by just eavesdropping on uh, other people's lives <laughs> I agree I agree and it's been such a pleasure and honor to do this with you today Baha I love your podcast I love you and everything that you stand for as a woman so thank you so much for having me on it's been a pleasure speaking with you have a wonderful day you are already glowing I, you know I wish I was going into the office with you I'm sure you would inspire me <laughs> thank you so much that's very kind of you to say have a wonderful day you too talk to you soon Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 